0: Thank you, Lord. Lord, we honor you and give you glory and praise. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and his truth to a thousand generations. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man that trusts in him. Father, we come to you tonight with expectation. Lord, knowing how good you are. Lord, knowing how good your word is. And Father, we thank you for speaking to us tonight. Lord, we honor you and give you glory and praise. Father, it's our desire to to leave here tonight going up to a new level, going from faith to faith and from glory to glory and from strength to strength. And we thank you, Father, that this is going to be accomplished in this place tonight and that Jesus is lifted up and glorified. And Lord, that we're leaving here with a greater appreciation than ever before for the work that the Lord Jesus did on our behalf. And for this, we take the time to say thank you And we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Find somebody close by and say hey to somebody. Tell them Merry Christmas. Good to see you. And then you can take your seat. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, I tell you, we've got some some word to get into tonight. We're... Picking up something that we actually left off two weeks ago, back on November 30th, um, and a, a series that we started in October and and have run through, but but uh, uh, the, this is on uh, the weapons in your mouth, and we started talking about the word of God and uh, the way Jesus used the word against the enemy, and how how, how uh, swift he was and how. Um, Strategic he was, and how skillful he was with it is written <laughs> to put the enemy on the run when the tempter came to him. And then, uh, we, we also talked about praise being a weapon in our mouth and, and how, uh, uh the, the very weapon of praise actually can shut the enemy up, it can steal the enemy and the avenger. Thank the Lord for that. And then, uh, last time we started getting into. The, the the topic of the blood of Jesus and how the blood of Jesus is actually um, one of the weapons that we need to have continually in our mouth to speak the blood, to declare what the blood has done for us. Uh, you know, uh, we looked at Psalm 107 verse 2 and uh, it just very simply says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 107 verse 2 says that. And uh, the idea of let the redeemed of the Lord say so means you got to know that you're redeemed. You got to know who your redeemer is. But then also, you know what you've been redeemed from. Praise the Lord. But then also, you know what you've been redeemed with. And that's where Peter said that we've not been uh, redeemed with uh, corruptible things like silver or gold. But, but we've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Thank God for that. Amen. And uh, uh, the, uh, the old timers used a term called plead the blood. And sometimes, you know, we would hear that and not necessarily uh, fully understand what it means because uh, the, uh, we're not defining our terms. But I'm going to give you the Pastor Ray definition of what it means to please the blood, to plead the blood. Uh, uh, my definition of pleading the blood, and I think it's a good one is when you speak out and when you make a case regarding what the Bible says that the blood does for you. All right. When you speak out and make a case regarding what the Bible says that the blood does for you and with your words, you can stake a claim on that provision. Thank God. Hallelujah. Now, um, one interesting thing we saw, and we're gonna do a little review at first because um uh, um I I saw that it was uh it was just not possible to really dig into what I want to do tonight without uh, relaying some foundation. So we'll do a little bit of review first. Um, or review. Review, review. I'm putting my emphasis on the right salariable, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, but uh, the interesting thing you see in scripture is that God has actually invited us to state our case. And we, we see this in Isaiah chapter one, verse 18, where, where God says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And the New American Standard of that actually says, come now and let us debate your case. Imagine God giving you an invitation for a debate. Wow. But the debating of your case has to do with something very particular. It has to do with you being delivered from what would leave a stain on you and being delivered into a stain-free condition. Hallelujah. So rather than you having the, the the stain of your sin on you and, and, and de- dealing with the, the, the stain of your uh, life and your former conduct and the stain that everybody has just from being a fallen member of the human race, but thank God that Jesus by his blood delivers us into a stain-free condition. And imagine that God would wanna go ahead and give us an invitation to come and plead our case before him. And the fact that he's not looking for us to plead our case before him so that we lose. No, he's actually cheering you on. He wants you to win that debate. He wants you to win uh, that, that, uh, that time in the court of heaven. Look at this. This is also the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, starting with verse 25. And this is where he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Hallelujah. Now what else does he say? He says put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case. That you may be acquitted. Imagine God wants you to win. <laughs> God wants you to win your case before him. He's inviting you. To go ahead And put him in remembrance, put him in remembrance of his covenant, put him in remembrance of his promise, put him in remembrance of his provision that he made to redeem us and to wash our sins away. Hallelujah. And also, he says that when it comes to your and my sins, that he's got voluntary amnesia. He doesn't say that I cannot remember your sins He says, I will not remember your sins as a matter of God's own will. He says, I have forgotten your sins. Hallelujah. I'm happy about it. Somebody. (laughs) I know you are, too. Amen. Now. So uh, as we're stating our case before God, this case that we're stating uh, uh, has to do with our standing before God. That that we're, we're reminding him of the fact that he has made these provisions for us, provisions to blot out our transgressions and provisions, like I said, to voluntarily forget our sin. Glory to God. Now, since we're using legal terms and courtroom terms, let's go ahead and take that a step further and look at something that the scripture says in Revelation chapter 12. Chapter 12 of Revelation, we'll start with verse 10 there, and we're we're just uh, going through some of the things that we hit last week to lay a foundation for what we'll build further tonight. Revelation 12, uh, starting with 10, "Uh, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him. They is the brethren. Him who got overcome is the accuser of the brethren. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Thank the Lord that Even though there's an accuser who's trying to stand before God and lay out his case for why you're so guilty and why you're so miserable and rotten and why you're so unworthy, thank the Lord that at that same time that you can overcome the accuser, the one who's standing before God and making accusations against you. How can you do that? You can do that with the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Another word for testimony there, you could actually replace it with the word record, the word of your record. Um, It's sometimes translated testimony, sometimes in scripture, uh, uh, translated as record. The apostle John used that terminology several times. Uh, this is the record that we have, or this is the record that God gave us. But I, I like that term record, because when I think of uh, uh, a record, you know, I think of it in uh, legal terms or criminal terms of having a criminal record. And thank God that in Christ, we no longer have a record. Thank God that in Christ, Your record has been expunged. That which was once held over your head and that which was once uh, 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 held against you is now no longer held against you. Your record has been expunged. And your case looks like this. You ready for this? Your case looks as follows. That although you are guilty of the charges that the accuser brings against you, your defense attorney, who happens to be the son of the righteous judge who's presiding over your case has personally done the time for your crime. Let me say it again. Oh, my goodness. We need, that's the gospel in the sentence right there. That, that although you are guilty of the charges that the accuser brings against you, your defense attorney, who happens to be the son of the righteous judge, who's presiding over your case has personally done the time for our crimes. Glory be to God. And you know, you have an advantage in the courtroom when your judge is your daddy and your defense attorney is your older brother. Praise the Lord. Come on now. You, You will shout before you leave here tonight. If you start thinking about some of this, hallelujah. Um, let, let's go and uh, take this a step further. What did Jesus do? And we're going to talk some about righteousness tonight because this is really the, the heart of the matter, that, that what, what the blood does for us is it washes us of that which is unrighteous and, and, and all that is unrighteous is removed. But, but it doesn't just do that. It makes you new. It changes your status. The blood of Jesus literally changes your status before God so that instead of you having uh, unrighteousness in your account, you now have righteousness in your account. And it's legally put there by God himself that God went through a legal transaction with no unfair advantage. He made sure that this was done right legally and on top of the table. To make sure that mankind, by putting their faith in him, and by putting their faith in what Jesus did, could literally have righteousness in their account. So when you go ahead and go online for your spiritual account, your, your heavenly account, you look in there and you see you have righteous status. That seems too good to be true. But I got to tell you, it's in there because let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 5. And verse 21, for he made him, that being Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that wonderful news? That's the great exchange that, uh, you, you know, uh, you, you can look at it that all you had were liabilities and all God had was assets. And, and he took your liabilities and my liabilities and put it into his account and he put all his assets and put it into our account. That's amazing. That seems too good to be true. But thank God the Bible says that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Does somebody believe that tonight? Now, your defense attorney, who is Jesus, is coaching you on what to say. He's coaching you on what to say when you're on the stand. Because, you know, the accuser's flapping his gums and talking about all the things you did and when you did it and who you were with when you did it and all that. But your defense attorney is coaching you on what to say when on the stand. And that's the importance of what we're talking about tonight the importance of your words, the importance of having the blood of Jesus being one of the weapons in your mouth, that you speak the blood. You speak the uh, the truth of the word when it comes to what the blood does for you. You speak the truth of the word when it comes to your righteous status before God. That is not something that's earned, not something you could have ever earned. But it is something that is a free gift from God to those who believe. Hallelujah. And so that defense attorney is just trying to get you to not say anything except exactly what he's telling you to say. That's, that, that's how important this is. Don't say anything else. Don't go ahead and let that accuser sidetrack you or get you off track here. You just say about yourself everything I tell you to say. You just say about yourself Everything that the word of God says has been provided for you through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, I I love this. First John chapter two and verse one, talking about the uh, the defense attorney. This is not my idea. This is the word. (laughs) My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. I'm glad he didn't stop there because, you know, if he stopped there, we'd all be in a heap of trouble. But he goes on to say, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and Jesus himself is standing in the presence of God for you. Are you glad about it? Now, what what about this aspect of Jesus standing in the presence of God for us and what it all means? Let's start putting it together. Um. Let's read this verse. This is an important thing because we're talking about our words and the power of our words, the importance of our words. Hebrews 3, one says this. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Now, the idea of what confession means, it's a Greek word, the, the, the verb form of it. Is homologia, uh, and it it means to say the same thing about. To say the same thing about. Why would the defense attorney say, don't say anything on the stand except what I tell you to say? Because he wants to be the high priest over what you say. You give him something to work with, he can work with it. But if you're just going around saying any old thing, And not saying things that are the same things that he says. He can't be the high priest over that. He can't take that and work with it. But when you are saying the same thing about yourself, the same thing about the situations of your life as what he says about it, then what is Jesus? Jesus is the high priest of your confession. The high priest of you saying the same thing as what he says. Hallelujah. So remember, he's not the high priest of everything we say. Because sometimes we say crazy stuff. But he's the high priest of the words that align with the words he says. Now let's look at another uh, verse about Jesus and his being high priest. And also the idea of that same word confession once again. This is Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Seeing then, or because we have a great high priest. Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Or you might say it like this, sing then, or because we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to saying the same thing as what he says about us. Are you with me on that? All right. So that's what that word confession means. It's not just the idea of throwing out words, but it's very specific. You saying the same thing as what he says. Now, what is the significance of Jesus passing through the heavens? What's this connection here? And that's what I want to show you here. And, and, and this, is, this is just awesome. Jesus passing through the heavens. Whatever that significance is, it must be a reason. It obviously is a reason. For us to hold fast to saying the same thing. Because that's what the Bible says. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Because of the fact that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Then it identifies who the high priest is. Jesus the son of God. And then it tells us what to do. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast to saying the same thing. So what happened when Jesus passed through the heavens? We should find that out because it's important. It's connected to what we're talking about. Are you with me? So Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, let's walk through a trail of uh, 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 the, the trail that Jesus uh, tread as uh, laid out in the book of Hebrews. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence Behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, how many of you happened to be here last Wednesday night, or were able to hear the message um, online? Uh, the the benefit of having this. After last, uh, Wednesday night, it's perfect timing because, uh, our, our elder, uh, Gordon Udall was ministering along the lines of the, the glory of God and the tabernacle. And he was talking about the, uh, the, uh, earthly tabernacle and, and the variety of the, the, uh, the furniture of the earthly tabernacle. And, and he was talking about that. What the tabernacle is that when the Israelites, uh, left Egypt, and they, they went out into the wilderness. God gave specific instructions to Moses on how to build a place where uh, uh, where, where uh, the, the priests could go and meet with God, where the priests could go and offer the sacrifices they needed to according to God's specific instructions, according to God's prescription of exactly how it needed to be done. And this was done in this place called the tabernacle. The tabernacle was really... Uh, a tent in, in which uh what was held more significant uh objects and instruments of worship and, and uh, all the way to the point where in there was you you had uh the 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 holy of holies you had the most holy place you had the place where the ark of the covenant was you had the place where he talked about the mercy seat was so very very significant And important to know this as we're talking about this, uh, that God had instructed Moses and the children of Israel to build this because there was already one in heaven. He was not building something that had no pattern. When Moses went into the mountain with God, that's Mount Sinai where he received the Ten Commandments, he was able to see and God was able to download those instructions to him. You know, people make the joke about having things downloaded in the, into the tablet. In the cloud. <laughs> having fun tonight. <laughs> but, but, but of course, God really downloaded these instructions into Moses so that he could go ahead and construct something here on earth that is absolutely based on the pattern of what was in heaven. Hallelujah. That's awesome. So part of that is this veil. This veil was the the thing that you had to go through to be able to get in to the the Holy of Holies. As a matter of fact, remember when Jesus was crucified, the gospel says that the veil of the temple was rent. I mean, it was torn from the top (coughs) right down to the bottom. Remember reading that in the gospel? That's the same veil, except that one there, the one that got ripped was the one that's here on earth. But here, Jesus went through or went behind the veil of the real tabernacle that's in heaven. So you got the master copy in heaven, and then you, you, or, or, or the master in heaven, and then you got the copy on earth, if you want to use those terms. Now let's go ahead and continue a little bit further. So we see what did Jesus do? How did Jesus pass through the heavens? Well, he entered the presence behind the veil and he did that as our forerunner because it was his intention for him not just to go there on our behalf. And that was it, but to actually go there as the forerunner so that we could thereafter go behind the veil, into the very presence of God in the same way that Jesus himself did. Wow, hallelujah. Let's keep on going here. What did Jesus do when he passed through the heavens? Hebrews 9, verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Wow. So what we're seeing is that when Jesus went behind the veil, he wasn't just taking a trip or, you know, taking a tour. No, he was actually on a mission. He was going into the most holy place with his very own blood. Now, let's follow that stream a little bit further. Same chapter, Hebrews 9, but down a little bit further. Verse 21, we'll start there. Then likewise, he sprinkled. This is talking about the earthly priests. And the way that the earthly priest would deal with the tabernacle on earth. Then likewise, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. So keep that word sprinkled in mind because we're going to see that a whole lot in a few minutes here. But this is talking about the Old Testament priests going into the earthly tabernacle and sprinkling with blood the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, verse 22, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. (coughs) Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens. So what's on earth is the copy. What's in heaven is the original. The copies of the things in the heaven should be purified with these. So that being with the blood of bulls, the blood of goats, you know, uh, 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 and, and so on, but the heavenly things themselves, with better sacrifices than these, so the blood of lambs, bulls, and goats was not sufficient to cleanse what was there in heaven that that was good to temporarily cover things on earth in the earthly tabernacle, but certainly not there in heaven the The heavenly things had to be cleansed or purified with better sacrifices than lambs, bulls, and goats. Verse 24, for Christ has not entered the holy places made with the hands. So Jesus did not go into the earthly tabernacle, but even though that is a copy of the true, so the one on earth is a copy of the true. the true one is in heaven. Are you with me on that? So where did he go if he didn't go into the holy place made with hands? It says he went into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus went into heaven itself, and in the same way that the priest on earth sprinkled the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry here, Jesus, with his own blood, sprinkled the tabernacle that was there in heaven and all the vessels of the ministry in that tabernacle there in heaven. Well, what does that mean for me? Well, let's hang in there. We're going to find out. Hallelujah. So we see this, that your defense attorney, Jesus, has appeared in court on your behalf and has made provision for you to have a direct audience with the judge. Hallelujah. That's what he did. That's what he did as our forerunner. Remember that Jesus was called the forerunner? Well, what's the forerunner? He's the one who goes first. He went first. And paved the way so we could go ahead and follow. He went and appeared in court on our behalf. And now has made the provision for us where we can go and have direct audience with the judge. We've got direct audience with God the Father because of Jesus. Let me put this out to you just as an interesting thing. How many of you have ever heard of the book of Esther before? You've heard of it. And some of you may have even read the book of Esther before. Well, one thing in the book of Esther that's very interesting is that uh, the protocol of the time was that in order to approach the king, you could not approach the king uninvited. You needed to be invited. And if you uh, went in uninvited, one, one of two things could happen. You could go ahead and get, lose your head. Or the king could raise His scepter. And if he raised his scepter, that means that you were granted access to come before the king. Now, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter one, and this is just a nugget I want you to realize it says regarding Jesus that a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So imagine this that when you approach, the throne of God, that the scepter of righteousness is lifted, means that you are accepted here. You are uh, granted access here. Uh, you, you you are welcome here because the scepter has been raised. In the same way, you you see that a picture of that in the book of Esther. But that scepter, as far as Hebrews is concerned, is called a scepter of righteousness. That means that God is recognizing you as having righteous status and that you belong and that you can come in. Wow. Hallelujah. Take that one and put it in the bank. (laughs) So how many of you get a better picture with me of what Jesus did when he passed through the heavens? He went to the other side of the veil. He entered the most holy place with his own blood. And what did he do when he was there? He, with his own blood, uh, uh, he uh, s- sprinkled the blood on the tabernacle and the vessels of ministry in the, the, the master copy, the, the true tabernacle. Not the one on earth that was the copy, but the true one, the one in heaven that this one on earth was patterned after. All right? Now, what about this term, blood of sprinkling? Can we dive into that and see what that means and how that applies to us? Because we are laying a case here that is just amazing. Glory to God. And I got to tell you, it's worth to build it one block at a time to get to where we need to go tonight. So the blood of sprinkling. First Peter chapter one, verse two. He says that we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the father in sanctification of the spirit. For obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So here's that word sprinkling once again. We saw in that last verse we read that Jesus was sprinkling the blood in heaven. In the same way that the uh, earthly priest was sprinkling uh, the blood in the tabernacle here on earth. Now let's go ahead and look at several, several other verses here. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That line there, having your uh, hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. You know, there's something that's so powerful about the blood of Jesus. And I want you to realize this. Not only is the blood of Jesus able to dig in there and and, uh, purge or deep clean all of the stuff that's in us. You you know, you you ever been to the car wash before and you could go ahead and just get the wash or you you could get the wash and the wax or then there's the other option called the works. Hey, we all needed the works. We all needed a deep cleaning because you know what, there's uh, uh, the, the, the dirt of sin and the stain of sin was not just on the surface, I mean it got into cracks and crevices I mean deep deep into our 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 soul, deep into our conscience, but the the blood of Jesus glory to God when when we are sprinkled with the blood, we have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience that means that all the dirt. That that was in the cracks and the crevices is now, it's gone now. It's, it's washed away. But also, I dare tell you this, that the blood of Jesus is not just powerful enough to deal with your dead works, but it's also power enough to deal with the dead works of other people who sinned against you. Wow. You think about people that may have offended you deeply, wounded you deeply, Impacted your life in ways that you can't even begin to tell how what they did impacted you. But the blood of Jesus, in the same way that it can deal with your dead works, can also deal with the results of dead works that were committed against you. And your conscience can be so thoroughly purged, so thoroughly cleaned, that not just is your conscience free of things that you've done, but also your conscience is now free of the guilt and the awkwardness and the uncomfortability of things that may have been done against you. Wow, glory to God. Now, let's take a look at this blood of sprinkling a little bit more. What does it all mean? Leviticus chapter 16, verse 14 to 15. It says, he, talking about the priest, shall take some of the blood of the bull (coughs) and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. So what's the priest doing? He's taking the blood and he's sprinkling it on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Of course, the number seven in scripture representing completion. And so I want you to know that this represents the fact that when you are cleansed with the blood of Jesus, you are not just partially cleansed. You're not just surface cleansed. No, you are fully, completely cleansed. Glory to God. Verse 15. Then he shall kill the goat, the sin offering, which is for the people, bring its blood inside the veil. Does that sound familiar? Come on now. Do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So this blood of sprinkling, when you look at the, uh, the way that God had instructed Moses and the priest to walk that out, uh, in, in the Old Testament with the tabernacle that was located here on earth. He told them to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Now we had just read, we're going to skip over this, uh, but but you, you remember us reading uh, Hebrews 9 and uh, 23 and 24 talking about that Jesus did not go into the, the earthly tabernacle, but he went to the heavenly one and he sprinkled uh, uh, uh he purified the, the 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 heavenly tabernacle with better sacrifices than were here on earth because he purified the heavenly tabernacle with his own blood now hebrews chapter 12 now leading up to this it says we are not come to uh mount sinai or uh, or, or you know some of those uh, moments that, that were captured in the Old Testament in the time of Moses. He said, "But we are come." I'm leading up to this. We are come to uh, Mount Zion. We are come to the Church of the Firstborn. Jesus being the firstborn. Jesus called the firstborn among many brethren. So, so the the context of this is we are come to. We are come to. We are come to. So in that context, it says we are come to. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Don't go to the next verse yet. So, uh, the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Do you remember Genesis chapter four, when Cain killed Abel, that God would actually say that the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Remember that? and right in Hebrews 11 as it's going through the hall of fame of faith god uh remembers that again and 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 through through the writer of Hebrews makes reference to the fact that uh that Abel although he's dead he's still speaking so it talks about the voice of Abel's blood and uh, that that's an interesting thing Uh, Because we would never think in terms of blood speaking, but the Bible right at the very beginning of the book would put out that scenario and put out that possibility that that the, the blood of Abel was actually crying out to God from the ground. And the likely call, the likely cry of his blood was for vengeance. You've heard of vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The, the likely uh, cry of the blood of Abel was for to be avenged as his life was take, unjustly taken away from him. But here it says that it, we've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things Than that of Abel speaks better things than what Abel's blood was speaking. Wow. Well, if Abel's blood, and we surmise that the the possibility is very great that Abel's blood was crying out for vengeance, what do you think that the blood of Jesus is crying out for? He's not looking for vengeance. No, as a matter of fact, this is the one who, when he was shedding his blood, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of shedding his blood, he uttered those words. So the blood of Jesus is not crying out for vengeance. I want you to know tonight, the blood of Jesus is crying out mercy. Hallelujah. Now, the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, now verse 25 See that you do not refuse him who speaks. Wow. So you've got the blood of Jesus speaking in heaven. The blood of Jesus is speaking better things than what Abel's blood spoke. But what does it say? It says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. How big is that? Because... It is absolutely the the wrong track for us to be on for for the blood of Jesus to be saying one thing about us and us to be saying something different. It's actually totally off track for us, for the blood of Jesus to be making a declaration about us in one way and the way we speak about ourselves being totally contrary to that. Why? Because what are we told to do? We're told to say the same thing, Remember? Say the same thing. So if the blood of Jesus is speaking and it's speaking better things than that of Abel, glory to God, we need to go ahead and be speaking the same things that the blood is speaking. Now, so we see that the blood of Jesus, the blood of sprinkling, as it's called, is speaking better things than Abel's blood did. Then it tells us, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. That's very important. But now, uh, uh, since this is the blood of sprinkling, where does the blood of sprinkling go? Does anybody remember? The blood of sprinkling, when the priest went into the tabernacle and sprinkled it with his fingers, where was he putting it? Right towards the mercy seat. Remember, Remember? Isn't that right? So he was taking the blood of sprinkling and sprinkling the mercy seat with it. Well, Jesus went into heaven itself, and he has sprinkled his blood on the the mercy seat right there in heaven. The mercy seat right there in the heavenly holy of holies. Now, Exodus 25, I want you to see this. (coughs) This is God's word. This is God speaking. And there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. Wow, do you see that? This is God saying this. I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I will give you in the commandment to the, uh, to the children of Israel. So God said, I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. He's not doing anything different now. Do you see that? He's doing the same exact thing. He's speaking to us from the mercy seat now, from the very place where Jesus applied his own blood to the heavenly mercy seat And that blood of sprinkling is speaking, and it's speaking better things than what Abel's blood did. God is still speaking from the mercy seat today. That voice is being heard because the blood of Jesus is speaking to us. The blood of Jesus is declaring what God has done for us, what God has done for us in Christ. The provision that's been made, what the blood does for us, what the blood has redeemed us from. The blood of Jesus is speaking somebody. God is speaking from above the mercy seat then and God is speaking from above the mercy seat right now. He's speaking through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, rather than disagreeing or saying something contrary to what the blood's saying, what do we need to do? We need to go ahead and put faith in the blood. All right, are you with me? Faith in the blood, faith in the blood. I want to look at Romans three, and I, I want to read this out of the the original King James. It says, uh, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood." Now that word propitiation. Uh, It's not a very common word used today, but I want you to understand what it means. And and, uh, if you look it up, you will see that it means an appeasing, that uh, what takes place on the mercy seat is appeasing. The the wrath of God is appeased, or you might say placated. Uh, Another word is uh, uh, expiated or expiating. But then... One of the uh, definitions of what this word means, if you look up the, the word in the concordance and look it up in the original language, you see this for yourself, that the word propitiation actually means mercy seat. I'm not making it up. i to look and see it for yourself. Glory to God. That God has set forth Jesus to be the mercy seat through faith in his blood. And then what, what's it go on to say? To declare... Or that word is better translated demonstrate in a lot of the other translations to declare or to demonstrate his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare or demonstrate. I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. So by Jesus being set forth to be uh, the the one by, by whom God's wrath has been appeased or placated. Or by, by Jesus being set forth literally as the mercy seat. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. You got to realize that. Jesus is the priest who sprinkled the blood. <laughs> the blood is his. The mercy seat is him. Jesus fulfills it all. Glory to God. That That's the amazing thing of it. And so we see this here, that that through faith in his blood, uh, the righteousness of God is being demonstrated or declared. The righteousness of God. Sounds familiar. We read it earlier. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Remember that? And so now, glory to God forever. Now, here we are with his righteousness being declared and demonstrated. His righteousness. Not ours, because yours won't cut it, mine won't cut it. No way would it cut it. But the very righteousness of God. And how do you have access to the righteousness of God? You have that access through faith in his blood. Wow, hallelujah. First John 1. Says it like this, verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to know that the blood cleanses the un out of you. <laughs> the blood cleanses the un. what's the un? on is anything that doesn't match up anything that doesn't match up with the, the, the character of God anything that in you that does not match up with the, the status of righteousness that God has placed upon you. So you might go ahead and be a believer and get your white robe but then whoops I got a spot on my white robe. Well, the blood of Jesus can go ahead and wash away the un. And once the un is gone, there ain't nothing left but righteousness. Glory be to God. Somebody say, get the un out. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting uh, talking about righteousness. uh and uh, that—that's a big theme of tonight because that's the status that we get into because of the blood of Jesus. That's the status that we get into because of the shedding of His blood and the believing, uh, 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 the, the putting faith in the blood. That's how we gain that status. But, but you know, uh, when I was growing up in church, I, I had some, some some good stuff that was taught me, but it was incomplete. You know, if anybody said, what does the Bible say about right, righteousness? I'd be quick to say, well, Romans 3.10 says there's no right, none righteous, no, not one. And it also says in Isaiah that all our righteousness is like filthy rags. But here's the thing. All that did is tell you what a mess you had, what a problem you had. But it didn't say anything about the answer. Thank God that we can go ahead and look at verses like that to see the desperate situation that we were in, but also at the same time to recognize that God did not leave us that way, that by by faith in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can go ahead and actually have righteousness imputed to us, or uh, as we said before, uh, that righteousness can go ahead and be legally put into your account. Praise God. Now, How do you get righteous? Uh, and don't don't worry about putting these verses up because I'm going to go fast here. But uh, uh, in, in Romans 1, you see that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith in the gospel. So when you start getting into the word, you start hearing the gospel and realize what the gospel says. That's where you realize that, wow, that's where I find out that the righteousness of God is revealed. And how is it revealed? It's revealed from faith to faith. That it's revealed through the gospel. And when you believe the gospel, when you believe what the word says, then you are receiving the righteousness of God. The scripture uh, says that uh, <coughs> the righteousness, uh, which is from God by faith, it talks about that. It, it talks about um the righteousness of God that's through faith in Jesus Christ. So you're not getting like righteousness 2.0. You're not getting righteousness uh, that, that's generic or, or some other version. No, the Bible says that we are actually getting the very same righteousness that God has. It uses that term, the righteousness of God. That's amazing. I know it seems too good to be true. But if the Bible didn't say it, then, then we'd have reason to doubt it. But the Bible says it and says it multiple times. If it's in the Word, it's got to be true. Hallelujah. Now, let's go ahead here in Romans 10. And we're going to start wrapping up here. Romans 10. uh, But the righteousness of faith. So righteousness which comes to you as a result of faith. So not righteousness that comes to you from a result of you trying to be a good little boy or a good little girl. No, this is righteousness which comes to you by faith, which is put into your account because you exercise faith in the blood, all right? It speaks this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess, oh, yeah, saying something, (laughs) confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you see, this is a faith thing. We're exercising faith in the blood. How is faith exercised? You believe and you speak. Paul talked about the spirit of faith. He said, we have the same spirit of faith that they had back in the Old Testament. They believed and therefore they spoke. And we believe and therefore we speak. Praise God. So righteousness that comes to you by faith is not a righteousness that you have to go somewhere and get. And it's not a righteousness that you have to go and do anything about. Something has already been done about it. And someone has already went and got it for you. That being the Lord Jesus. Are you glad about that? So it is now as close to you as your mouth and your heart. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And you become righteous with the very righteousness of God. Because this is talking about being saved. That that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved. Hallelujah. So you see, you initially received God's gift of righteousness through believing and speaking, right? But you also continually affirm that righteousness uh, and that it has been credited to your, to your account the same way. So you got righteous by believing and speaking, believing and confessing, saying the same thing that God said about it. Well, in the same way, you continually affirm that righteousness because as you go along, sometimes you're going to go ahead and say, well, I feel like I need to give an altar call and raise my hand to my own altar call. You know, sometimes you have bad days. Sometimes you don't feel so juicy like you do on other days. I won't look. Oh, boy. But hey, we we have those days. But I got to tell you, glory be to God. When you realize that having absolutely nothing to do with the way you feel, you can go ahead and look at yourself in the mirror and say, based on the blood of Jesus and based on the fact that I put faith in the blood, I can look at this person in the mirror and say, good morning, righteousness. And then you can go ahead and be bold about it. You can be confident about it you can say the same thing about yourself that the blood of Jesus says about you. Not disagreeing with the blood, but agreeing with the blood. Not being shy about it, but being bold about it. Not not, not holding back, but being outspoken about it. Imagine that. And that's why I want to close with this uh, series of verses right here because there's something here that is just amazing. And when I looked up this word, I I, I, I almost had to, Go ahead and just have a fit in my office. Ain't no fit like a benefit. Come on now. (laughs) A praise fit. So Hebrews 10, are you ready? Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So remember, Jesus went there. And Jesus went there not just to stand in the presence of God for you. But to provide the way where you can go and do the same thing he did, where he went there as your forerunner and you can go after him into the very same place standing before the very same one, Father God. Hallelujah. So you can have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living, by a new and living way which he consecrated, initiated, or opened up for us. That's what consecrated means. By a new and living way which he consecrated or initiated or opened up for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We read verse 22 a little earlier. But look at verse 19. It says that we... Have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And I did something dangerous a few weeks back. And I looked up what this word boldness means in the Greek language. And I want to go ahead and read some of these words to you. So that you can see some of the flavor of what this word means and how this word is used. Outspokenness. To be outspoken. frankness. You you, you ever hear somebody talking and say, oh, you're being very frank about that. Frankness, bluntness, boldness of speech, freedom in speaking, unreservedness in speech. So when this is telling us to have, uh, uh, that we have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, this is not just talking about a confident attitude or a, a, a You know, a confidence or or, or an assurance. No, this is actually talking about the way you speak. So if we were to replace some of these words, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, having outspokenness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, who are you trying to be outspoken against? Not God. You're agreeing with what God says. You're just talking louder than the accusers talking, do you? (laughs) Uh, You can have frankness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Bluntness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Boldness of speech to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Freedom in speaking to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus unreservedness in speech to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So when you come in, you're not just coming in with a confident attitude. You're actually coming in saying something. That's what this is saying. You're coming in saying something and what are you saying? You are saying the very same thing that he says. The very same thing that the blood of Jesus is saying about you right now. Right there on the mercy seat in heaven. That's what we're saying about ourselves. We say the same thing. Glory be to God forever. And as you do this, how, what, what do you do? You overcome the accuser of the brethren with the blood of the lamb and with the word of your testimony. Glory to God. Is anybody excited about Jesus tonight? Wow. Now, here's the thing. I know I hit you with a lot there, but, but we're very intentional. The notes are on the website, so you can go ahead and go through that again. But I want you to realize that uh, you know, th- this is not about us just kind of being cute and having some kind of confident attitude. No, God is very specific about us speaking. He's very specific about that. I mean, you know, Jesus is the one who said, whosoever shall say to this mountain. <laughs> Remember that? So the, the, the scripture is very specific about us speaking things, declaring things. And what, what are we to, to declare? Always declare what God said just the way he said it. No additives, no preservatives, no high fructose corn syrup, nothing but the original. Come on. Amen. Go ahead and stand up with me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Those of you who are here tonight, if you'd like to go ahead and uh, uh, give, there's multiple ways that you can. You can either uh, give by uh, uh, the app, or you you can go ahead and uh, text to give, or uh, go to our website, uh, faithccenter.com. And then you can also do this. You can also... Just do it the old-fashioned way. Stop by the table in the back. There's envelopes back there, and uh, uh, cash or check is good there. And uh, uh, what what you can do is, uh, if you're writing out a check, make that check payable to FCC. Those of you that are giving um, online, and we're glad to have you all with us tonight, you can go ahead and, uh, if you're writing out a check, like we said, you can go ahead and make that payable to FCC. Mail that to Faith Christian Center, 95 Sagamore Road, Seekonk, Massachusetts. 02771. And uh, thank the Lord. It's always a joy to give to the work of God. Amen. 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 Hey, let's do one thing before we go. Uh, first of all, uh, if, if there's anybody in the house here tonight that does not know the Lord Jesus and you heard, uh, you, you heard about the, the blood of Jesus, what the blood of Jesus can do, and you heard about God's provision for you to have righteous status before him and you don't know if you've got it yet well i tell you, you come see me if that's you tonight because we want to go ahead and make sure that you are uh leaving this place knowing that you know that you know that you are his and he is yours amen so so please